0: Welcome to the Legendarium Grab your haptic gloves and visor and join in our final Heroes of Sci-Fi discussion As today we talk about Ernest Cline's Ready Player One Bonjour! Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am, Someone
1: just got back from France. I
0: am Craig Hanks, fresh off a of vacation. I am ready to come in here, crack some skulls, and actually make sure that you guys podcast uh, like regular human beings. Um, what, so, you didn't like our, our, you're away? I time? loved your guys' away thing. I our takeover was awesome. Regular so, human beings don't podcast. So, <laughs> shut up so I can introduce you. Uh, I'm Craig Hanks uh now on my right he is so deformed he was actually thrown off a cliff spartan style when he was a baby but he was picked up by the legendarium and saved it's ken johnson 30
2: burpees for you man
0: His eyesight is so bad, he still thinks Ryan is a really attractive woman. It's Todd Wente. (laughs) And don't make fun of getting new glasses. (laughs) We have a new addition today. She's hotter than the Australian desert and twice as deadly. It's Stephanie Bruckman. (laughs) And he is Stephanie's husband, which we're still trying very hard to figure out. It's Ryan Bruckman. That's right.
1: I've got some magic.
0: So, uh, Or some prescription medication. <laughs> or some Let's welcome medication. Ryan's wife, Stephanie, because uh, apparently she's a fan of this book, oh. Ready Player One. And so we couldn't resist uh, bringing her on. And also she was Ryan's ride. Uh, so <laughs> welcome, Stephanie. I get and picked s- up.
3: I'm <laughs> so
1: much prettier than Ryan. What did you guys say, 38%? <laughs> I believe
0: it was thirty-eight thousand. That uh, was I'm just like a only typo.
4: Thirty-eight percent prettier
0: than you. Oh, and that is lowball. No, Ryan is a very attractive man.
3: For the record, the man that thinks that Ryan's a pretty woman didn't say he was thirty-eight percent. That you were thirty-eight percent prettier. <laughs> that was that was Craig.
0: All right, um, you guys. Today we are talking about Ready Player One, and this is the wrap up to our uh, Heroes of Sci-Fi series. So very quick before we get into the book, uh, tell me what you've thought so far of uh, of what we've done with Heroes of Sci-Fi. Ken, have you enjoyed yourself?
2: I've had so much fun with this. Yeah,
0: a lot of these were books I
2: hadn't read before, and but I, you'd heard about as a as a historic a, a historically being a nerd, never having read these. I I feel like I I, I should have, and so it's nice to actually have performed my responsibility. As a geek and a nerd, and being on this podcast to read these books, and I have enjoyed them.
3: So now you're saying that some you're of them a little more than others. Validated. But
2: yeah, I feel like I feel like I have nerd cred now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something.
0: I think so. It, well, I kind of feel the same way. I, you know, take uh, the first one we did, the Time Machine by H.G. Wells. Uh, yeah, everybody knows that that exists, but how many people actually go and read it? Uh, probably not enough, and so I hope. If you've been following following along with the uh, this series of casts, I hope that you've read along and not just listened in, because uh, I think without any exceptions, I think the books we've read have been uh, have been valuable as a historical overview of science fiction. Right?
1: Yeah, we didn't ever. I don't feel we ever wasted our time reading any of the books. Um, there, there were some that you know we might some recommend, were better than others. Yeah, we might recommend more heartily than others, but. Uh, as a whole, you know, I think we we all have that feeling of, you know, we checked it off our list to make sure that we were reading The Time Machine, that we had done those things to validate that, you know, these things that have had such a large effect on the other things that we love, you know, that we've gone through and we've we've taken part in those. And that's kind of how I feel about the series is I, I feel very much that I've read the books now, you know, reading The Time Machine, and I've actually discovered that, you know, some of the sci- sci-fi authors that I would enjoy listen, uh, reading more of I've been reading Isaac Asimov a little more some of his other stuff, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's a di- he's a different read. iRobot is different than his other reads and but they're all good and i i've yeah I've loved doing this series so far
3: good Todd thoughts um, a lot of this ground for me was 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 a retread um, i did oh sorry, I need to get closer in i can't hear myself. Um, a lot of this ground for me was was retread I'd already read most of these books, in fact, I think Ready Player One is the only one that was on that was on our list that I had not read before we came into this. So yeah. for me it was a wonderful chance to see it it was fun to look at you and say, well, uh, wait until we get to the end of iRobot. Um because you guys had done that to me all the way through Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was great. I think um, I think the development of the genre of sci fi we we picked some real wonderful milestones to be able to say this is how this this genre developed and has brought us to where we are today. I I think I've really enjoyed it.
0: And I like that, yeah, like what you said, milestones. We grabbed a few uh, touchstones of science fiction throughout the last century or so, but obviously we did, what, a half dozen books maybe. There is a lot that we skipped over that we never did. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're screaming at me, how come you didn't read this or that? I can't believe you guys are at the end of your Heroes of Science Fiction and you didn't read... You know, X book. Uh, well, tell us. Yeah, Hop on Facebook. Let us know. Because uh, just because this is the end of this series doesn't mean we're never going to come back to sci-fi. and We're never going to read another one. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear what people have to say. So, uh, so yeah, have at it. Now, today... We're coming almost up to the current time. I mean, this uh, this book has been published for about four years now, but Ready Player One. Uh, so it was published in August 2011. Uh, Ready Player One is a dystopian novel set in the year 2044 uh, when the so-called Great Recession has killed off most of the world's economy. The one bright spot in the world is The Oasis, a totally immersive, massively multiplayer online simulation uh all out world of warcraft but actually cool uh it
3: was fun seeing you say all of those words instead of the instead of the uh acronym yeah i know right
2: think think of it as as second
0: life on steroids there you go the recently deceased creator of the oasis james halliday has willed his massive fortune and a controlling stake in his company to the winner of an elaborate hunt for an easter egg he left in the oasis Wade Watts, a poor kid in the slums of Oklahoma City, is one of many gunters, or egg hunters, who hunts for that egg in the way that Halliday instructed, by becoming obsessed with the decade in which he grew up, the 1980s. So, the entire world is obsessed with all the movies, video games, television, books, and comics that came out during what I used to think was the most most worthless of decades, until I read this book and had quite a lot of fun. So, what you get in Ready Player 1 is a very well-worn quest story integrated with a love letter to the 1980s, which is cool if you're a huge fan of the 80s. The good news is that you don't necessarily have to be in order to really thoroughly enjoy this story. Thoughts?
3: Um I was just
0: as you Yeah, were, what are you doing? You're holding up fingers. I I'm, I'm
3: holding up fingers. I was I was holding up fingers that were that were indicators of things that are similar for other sci-fi novels other pieces that are uh-huh. that are kind of formulaic and things that were really very unusual very different
0: this is uh, yeah this is what made it one of my favorite books is there is nothing surprising about the storyline nope. If no. I'm not mistaken, you, it is not a spoiler to say that the hero wins in the end. He gets the girl, nope. uh, and the evil corporation. Because hey, this is the 21st century, and uh, you and know, we hate evil corporations we, just almost just as much say as we corporations. hate
3: corporations. We hate evil corporations almost as much as we hate governments. Right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> uh Oh, we just it, lost Stephanie. She just did the first eye roll of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, there's nothing surprising about it if you've read any fantasy or or quest story before you've read this this thing. Uh, but like you were counting on your other hand, you know there are things about this this that are uh, very different and very much a part of our time, mm-hmm. uh, like the massively multiplayer online gaming. Stephanie, did you ever play World of Warcraft? No. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Good yeah. answer. So Stephanie,
3: are you involved in any MMORPGs of any kind? I doubt it. Okay, just checking.
0: Just checking. <laughs> Stephanie is our resident non gamer. Are Actually, you involved in Facebook? My
4: Lego games count, don't they? Oh they
0: do. Okay. Um, I'll take that. Which platform are they on? <laughs> yes, they count. <laughs> um did you guys ever do World of Warcraft? I never did.
2: I did, and uh, thankfully I don't now. No. Oh, my God. I just,
0: I knew, I have a very obsessive personality. Uh, and so when I latch on to something, I really latch on. Me Anybody, too. if if you I was guys look at all the bookcase over in the corner, I was just gonna like say that
1: forty different versions of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, let's see how many versions of The Hobbit. One,
3: two.
2: No, anyway.
0: Anyway, so so I knew if I ever played World of Warcraft, there was a good chance that I would just really be sucked in and no, it would ruin yeah. my life.
2: Had you ever played and then gotten out, you would have found me on the front row of the the online of the support group to you know
3: <laughs> to get end out. Addiction. Of, oh my gosh. I never played World of Warcraft, but there are several MMORPGs that I did play. Um, and, and I had to be very careful because I, I remember I was playing uh, Battlestar Galactic Online recently. And I have an entire four months that I don't remember much human contact outside of work. Uh, and my wife uh, agrees with me that there's a four-month period of time where I would kind of come home and hit my computer. And I had lots of wonderful experiences with other people inside the game world um so you know i've i've had i've done my fair share of that
1: yeah i I started a world of Warcraft account I played for about two hours and went um I'm bored with this right now, I'm going to leave, and I never came back to it yeah, but yeah. I have on multiple uh multiple occasions attempted to start a star wars of the old republic uh profile yeah Because yeah. Yeah. that one is free. The biggest thing, and, the, and probably the, the saving grace, is that they never made it Mac compliant, <laughs> so I could never play it. And I, I hadn't put Windows on anything until just recently, but yeah, so I never actually got into playing the the those the World of Warcraft esque type games. Yeah, me, me neither.
2: The I just, only other one I got into, and I know this isn't a discussion of MMOs, but the the only other one I got into was City of Heroes, which yeah. was, was a blast. I remember yeah, that was fun.
1: That it's. Uh, sequel the city of city villains, of villains. Yeah. yeah long
2: gone but you know you were you were, live on here
0: uh where can in my heart this is radio okay in, in the <laughs> in
2: the cold dark space where my heart would be uh, uh, uh. as there you go. the wife would yes say. i buy that i buy that
0: um now are, are you guys 80s guys yeah, you you're old ken and todd um <laughs> I I kind of feel like uh, the '80s are the worst decade that I have ever had the mispleasure of living through. Luckily, That's because I was you're ten years you're too young, you just yeah. don't appreciate what happened there, young whippersnapper. So now, that being said, I I do feel like. Uh, now that I've I've read this, and, you know, I've been around video games and movies and, and books and what lot, whatnot long enough to know that there was a lot of good stuff that came out of the 80s. Yes. And this this book, uh, Ready Player One, really kind of upped my appreciation for the good stuff that came out. But I also know there's a lot of absolute garbage that came out of the 80s. Fair yes, enough. There was, right? Yes, there was.
3: Fair enough. And this
0: book pays uh, homage to both but but it's I mean he 's so loving about even the trash that came out you yeah, know you know one of the yeah. things
3: and that was one of the things for me that that um, really stood in the way of my enjoying the first fifty pages or so was the the number of of eighty references that I was kind of like are these are these intended to be tongue in cheek are they intended to be homage? are they intended to just give us enough information that we can figure out the story on our own? My answer was maybe all of the above, and I just because I lived through it, I kind of was like, "I, I don't fantasize about it being that cool a time." Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were there were some moments that I was kind of like, "Okay, enough with the Duran Duran jokes already! I'm done. I'm done. Let's move on." Yeah. Sprinkling them through the first little bit have, would have probably been more effective for me as a as a device. Um, I, I really I really got bored of all the '80s references that were that were just. L- just saturated in the first 50 or 60 pages, if I remember yeah. right. I had
2: to slog through that first bit. And I really, I mean, I went into the book li- wanting to like it and then thinking, oh, if this is the way this whole book is going to go, we're going to have a
3: really hard Stephanie's go at it. face is saying she just thinks we are off our rockers. Well,
4: I think I was five when the 80s ended. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh, you babies.
4: And so not having lived through the 80s, I didn't catch... Probably most of the references okay. to the 80s so I didn't I didn't even notice I was like I recognize some of the stuff that they talked about like back to the future and whatnot but
0: yeah what is that I don't know um, pigeons with a lot of that stuff I, I just feel like I yeah, if I didn't get like Lady Hawk, I've never seen Lady Hawk, Lady and Hawk so is I just didn't stupid show. I just didn't worry about it. So yeah, pretty. I wasn't paying enough attention oh, to be like, show.
4: oh, I should probably go find out what that was. I just kind of blew past it and forgot about it.
0: Right. Um,
3: Lady Hawk came out at the time when everybody thought that just having Matthew Broderick in a film was going to make it successful. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and they found out very quickly that no, you've got to you, actually you, have some substance. You behind can't that.
3: put. You can't just take a, a bowl. And throw Rutger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Matthew Broderick in it, mix it up and throw in a really cool synthesized musical soundtrack and call it a great show. Yeah, but in the eighties
0: What you just <laughs> described sounded amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. It was not. Now it so, was cool when you were twelve.
0: My thing is, so you guys are you guys are, are well old. Uh, and so you were able to, you know, think about all these references and whatnot from the eighties. My problem with the beginning of the book is that he takes uh, he takes too much time, uh, which really is only several paragraphs, but to me it's too much time, uh, talking about, sermonizing about the ills of the world around. Yes. Uh, oh, and it, it just seemed like uh, Ernest Klein was kind of getting on his um, political soapbox a little bit with oh, yeah. no point to it. Yep. There was no point to the story in going into that stuff because he doesn't elaborate on any of it. And the thing that he that he glosses over the most is the role that the oasis has played in the dystopia that surrounds it right yeah yeah. so he he mentions it he says you know this thing exists in this terrible world that we live in but he never really goes into and here's why the oasis has or hasn't contributed to the way the world is right
3: well, and I can, I can see part of the reason that he, that he might... It, it depends on how, why he's doing it from my perspective. Um, we're seeing this entire thing through a teenager's perspective. And through a teenager's perspective, um, we, we get a feel of... Let, let's be honest. For those of us that have been a long way removed from our teenage years... Um, we don't necessarily we haven't necessarily forgotten that during that time it's all about you. It's all about what is good about you, It's all about what satisfies you, about what pleases you. And
1: wait, that changes.
3: I was going to say that's only gotten worse. Well, it, it gets more painful, I think as time goes on, because you realize that you take on more responsibilities, more, uh, more awareness of how your actions impact other things around you. Um, and for a teenager, the oasis, and, and for a child, the oasis is the escape so why 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 talk about from a teenager's perspective how the escape is actually a a failing a problem uh and a contributor to the to the to the destruction of everything around you because it, at your teenage years all you're focused on is how good it is for you so if he's doing that as a as a device because he really wants to tell that story in that way mm-hmm. i buy it if he's if he's just completely ignoring it with because he doesn't want to talk about the the philosophical implications of everyone spending all of their time in virtual relationships rather than real relationships, then yeah, he's done a very poor job of addressing that piece. Yeah,
1: maybe my yeah. I, that whole section for me, I thought was just the purpose that he was aiming for was to see what drove people into the Oasis, why people spend all the time in there, and it it didn't serve any other purpose other than just say things are so bad out here. Everyone's going into the oasis because you wouldn't want to be in reality. That's the whole purpose that I saw in that section. Yeah,
2: yeah but at the same time, it felt very... Uh, what did I... What did I say? It felt very uh, global warming, op- overpopulation, scaremongery, slash wealth redistribution, re, uh, redistribution love letter. It's you know the same kind of trope. Liberals are bad are good. Government is bad the 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 one percenters are bad you're saying it's the few
1: paragraphs that represent all of cable news today yeah pretty much
0: i just don't yeah i don't know that i've this corner but i I, i'd have to go back and read it again i I don't know that i caught that it was picking on conservatives so much although i don't know i guess you could read between the lines i saw
3: i saw a lot of that yeah and and maybe part of the reason that i see a lot of it is because uh, again Having lived through that that '80s period of time, "Greed is Good," Martin Gecko, blah blah blah, all those kinds of Gordon things. Gecko or Gordon Gecko, uh, Martin Sheen, Gordon Sheen, uh, Charlie Sheen, all the rest of the Sheens, um, and, and Emilia Estevez. Which were all so much part of the eighties, but that was Michael Douglas. Maybe, maybe all of the. I feel like
1: Todd just had a stroke. Holy crap! this is how my brain. This is how my
3: brain works. All these things connect to each other.
1: You're just starting to like. You're messing things off there. I was like, did you have a stroke right there?
3: Amelia Westavez, Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen. No, Martin Sheen and Amelia Westavez are brothers, right? Yeah, they are. Charlie Sheen and Amelia Westavez are brothers. Martin Sheen is the dad of both. There we go. Sorry. I, mean, I am having a stroke. I haven't had enough sleep in the last four to five days.
2: By the way, uh, James Halliday is literally oh six months older gosh. than me. Oh, my gosh.
0: Shut up. You guys are the actual worst. You are the actual worst. I The day we actually finish a thought on this podcast is the day I will shoot my own face off. <laughs> oh, are you God. so seems glad like, you're back? seems like a,
1: a serious overreaction to completing a thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very,
0: very confident. That it'll never happen. That it'll never, ever happen. Oh, my gosh. Todd, I don't even know what you're even talking about. So, uh, so you're you? not going to let me finish. You're do not going to let me
3: finish. I'm not going to finish my thought now just because you've said that. <laughs> I don't want to see you finish. I don't want to see you shoot your face off. Uh, what were you thought. saying, Craig? Okay, so I'll finish my thought. Having <laughs> watched all of that, having grown through all of that and seen some of the ramifications of that, I I really was sensitized to his rant and the way that he puts that rant forward and that he is saying, we are in this place because we endorsed so many of these destructive policies from the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. I, I, I very much see where Ken's coming from on that.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. So there, uh, um, the other old guy agrees with me. Well, you guys, that's well, it's cause we're old. You're old. We're old. Uh, I didn't live through Reagan. So you didn't.
3: Um. And, and as you guys missed some stuff. I mean, in the book, you missed some things, I think, that were hinted at, indicated. I I think there was a lot there.
0: Probably. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that the, uh, speaking of being old, do you think that the average age of the the people who have read and enjoyed this book is higher than your typical science fiction, fantasy novel of the last five or ten years because of this? Or do you think? Uh, because, like me, you know, I didn't really live through Reagan. I lived a little bit through Clinton. I mean, I wasn't politically aware of that point. At that point, but um, do you think that uh, whippersnappers like me have enjoyed it just as much as everybody else? Or do you think it's uh, it's think, only meant for your generation? I
3: think you enjoy it more.
2: You think so? Yep. I yeah. I would probably agree with that. Mainly because because in, we didn't have to live through the 80s. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's
3: because it's fresh and it's fun and it's interesting rather yeah. than a rehash of every bad MTV video that I ever watched.
2: And in in being having your geek cred liking the 80s having not lived in the 80s is cool. Now I I love the 80s and I'm all well versed on all of this stuff and I'm cool because of it even though you know I'm too young to have lived through it. Mm.
1: The beauty the beauty of the 80s for our generation is that we can walk away from it when we want to. Pretty much.
3: In the same way that in my generation, it was the 50s. There was a huge retro for the 50s. Um, 50s cars, 50s style, 50s fashion makes up a lot of what 80s fashion is all about. In the same way that we could walk away from that when our when we were bored of Happy Days and Fonzie and Potsie. Um, but our parents lived through that.
2: And honestly, nobody gets bored of that. Well, we don't. <laughs>
0: I hate the eighties. I hate
1: it. <laughs> see, now I'm on the other side. I love the eighties. Do you really? I love the music. I love th- just the the glory of the one hit wonders and all those things. I love it. The coloration of clothing Oh
0: day. see, that's like that's the worst hear... part
1: for me. The clothes in the eighties. That's what my mind immediately goes to. I don't want to. to run out and like wear it every day, but every now and then I love to don like a really bright neon blue shirt or you know
3: pegged shark skin pants with double-breasted jackets that cut off at the waist and big shoulder pads. Oh my gosh,
0: those were awful. So let me let me do this.
2: There's one thing I'm not nostalgic for, it's the fashion of the 80s.
0: We were just talking about that, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like the beginning of a thought. No, I think that's was his that exclamation point. That was yeah. my punctuation, yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, oh,
3: Stephanie's watching her watch. She hasn't had any yeah, I know, journey, right? really, so we so, need to get into the conversation.
0: That's a good point, because what I want to do is get you guys to be quiet. Uh, and stop reminiscing about the '80s and actually reminisce about this book that we're supposed to be talking about. Um, well, I, yeah, Todd, we're going to talk about the book. Ready Player One. Um, is it is it original original enough, Stephanie and Ryan, to be a fun story? Yeah, uh, or is it just too tired as a storyline?
4: I made it through it.
0: Yeah? You made it through it? Is that that the highest praise you could muster?
4: Well, for not coming from a gaming perspective, like, I don't do that stuff. I have, I don't spend that kind of time online or thinking about that virtual world. And I really enjoyed the book. Mm -hmm. I loved it. That's the reason why I'm here is because I've actually read the book and I was told I had to come and discuss it.
0: That was, yeah, true. You were told.
4: I didn't really have a choice in that matter.
3: <laughs> you were strongly invited.
4: <laughs> is that what the rope and stuff was when I came in? Ex-
3: absolutely.
2: No, and that's, that's why we've
3: locked the door. Why does this
2: rag smell like chloroform?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, uh, Ready Player One, this is your second time through? Yes, second time through. Yay or nay on the book? Um, Especially m- after having read it twice. Did it hold up the second time? Mostly yay. I'm going to say mostly yay. Um...
1: I did not. I did not enjoy it as much second time through. Really? Okay. Now that's you know. not saying that it was worse, mm-hmm. you know, or that I was picking out like, oh, I didn't catch how terrible that was. It was some of the value of this is the the novelty experience of experiencing the Oasis and experience, you know, revisiting those games when you know what he's going to be doing next. It's a quest story where you know the end and you know the path it is tends to be a little less invigorating i guess yeah um so but uh, as a whole this this book is an enjoyable read and if you are a gamer at all you're gonna sit there and go yeah i remember oh, Ultraman, yeah I love, you know or whatever there's plenty there there's a lot of weeks and winks and nods to you but yeah yeah the, yeah the fact of the matter is the story is not that deep or not that difficult to follow
0: right this is this is why i like it so much is because uh once i get past that kind of painful first section uh and we're introduced to the oasis all of that stuff really kind of disappears and it just becomes the quest story that i love so so much this and so this was my i've only ever listened to it because i love will wheaton's audiobook version uh this is my fourth time through the book Really? Yeah, in about four years. Uh, And I've loved it every single time because at a certain point, uh, you know, Todd, you're fond of talking about how the technology drives the story Mm -hmm. uh, in science fiction. And at a certain point, he does, uh, uh, Ernest Cline does succeed in making you believe what's going on with the technology, yeah. with the Oasis. And and so once he gets to that point, say 100 or 150 pages into the book, yes. then that kind of falls away, and what you're left with is the story, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's, it's not original. Once you take the tech out, it uh, really is a very unoriginal quest story, but uh told very well and with a, a new technological perspective.
3: Yeah, I would say it was not in in a lot of science fiction I look forward to be tech driven. Mm-hmm. Um this was uh this was tech assisted. Um the because if you remove the tech from it if you if you if you overlay it on anything else those stories are very familiar but the fun twist of it is for the the fun part of that twist for me was Oh, certain worlds can use magic. Certain worlds can use science fiction. Can use science. Certain worlds can use nothing. There are no. There are some worlds that are non-PvP built zones. I mean, I I remember playing certain games and I would see somebody pop in and I'm like, oh crap, I'm dead and I would get killed and then I would respawn and 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 so reading some of these things that I said to myself, okay, as a as a gamer, as a as a person who's done these kinds of things, that's fun to read about. But it doesn't drive the story. It's not necessary for the story to be there. And so, for individuals who are looking for real hard science fiction, they're going to really be disappointed. I think.
0: Although I, I did have a little bit of fun with the tech in this one. Uh, one hallmark of uh, of some of the science fiction we've read before this in this series, like take the time machine for instance, mm-hmm. is that it's so it's so out of this world. It's so mm-hmm. not our experience. Uh, That it's, yeah, it's a really novel experience. Time travel? Are you kidding? That's awesome. You know, this one is a little bit more muted in Mm -hmm. the science-y aspect because we're familiar with what uh, an MMO looks like. The idea of a a retinal, uh, what what do you call it? A A visor. Yeah, the visor that he uses that just draws the image right onto your retina so that it completely fills your vision. Um, That's not it doesn't seem so far away no, from the tech reachable. that we have now.
2: No, a lot of the stuff in this book actually feels very conceivable, very yeah. close compared to the technology we have right now. Like, wow, this, you know, I, I could see where this happens in the next 30 years. And that was fun. I have to
4: admit that scared me though. What did? The technology and how close we are to it. And that's what drew, kind of drew me into it. As I'm thinking about raising my family and going, okay, this is the technology my my kids are going to be. Getting into and what is that going to do to society? Because all of a sudden, society lives online. There's very little human interaction, and what is that going to do to us as a as a people?
2: This is why Stephanie's brilliant.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) what what do you think? Do you have an idea of um, of what the world might look like if something like this were real?
4: See, and that's why I said that it scares me because I think it's so much. We need that that actual human interaction. For me, I can't really imagine living that much online. But for for the characters in the book, you see these people. And you don't know who you're seeing. They talked about how everyone kind of looks the same because they all have that generic... Porn, be a 300-pound
3: guy named Chuck <laughs> living in his mom's basement.
4: <laughs> and so, but, I mean, it had some good points, too, where you talked about these kids can go to school and not really worry about getting beaten up. Because right. you can't fight in school. I mean, bullying still exists, but... It's on a different level, how he talks about how he can use his words now and yeah. how he's gotten really good at speaking.
0: There's one thing that I, that I identified with, um, my wife and I really got to know each other online we had met in person. And so I, I knew that there was this person <laughs> named Sarah, you know, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, you know, meeting a stranger in a chat room, but, um, she and I met and then we became friends and chatted over MSN messenger, if that dates me at all, <laughs> uh, Only a little. Only a little. That's not that long ago. Anyway, but the point is brought up in the book that um, he, so he falls in love with Artemis, uh, his longtime crush. They spend a lot of time in the second act of the book, hanging out, uh, falling in love. And the point that he makes is, at at the end, when they're meeting each other, is, I don't care what you look like. You know, I don't care who you think um what what you think your failings are I know you I've interacted with you on a purely uh personality level you know what I mean yeah. uh, and I I really identified with that because um a lot of times Sarah and I would talk about like you know if we'd met in high school or college we probably would have hated each other or you know we we didn't we didn't run with the same crowds we didn't necessarily you know have very similar outlooks uh with family life but on a personality level we really clicked and we might not have gotten that if it had been anything other than a purely online interaction for the first little bit of our relationship does that make sense yeah no so so it's um yeah there's some danger in never having any human interaction but i i think there might be some advantages to uh you know putting on that online mask and and becoming you know so to speak, whoever you want to be.
3: You know, you say that very, the, the, the question then becomes, is the, is the mask something that you use to hide behind or is it something that you use to prepare?
1: Advertise.
3: Well, so okay. I would say prepare, wait, prepare for what? You, you use that to find out whether or not you've got genuine connections with these people by getting away from all of the dance that has to be done because we wear masks now. I mean, when 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 I go on dates, with, when I went on dates with my wife, I dressed up. I did the best that I could to put mm-hmm. on my my best appearance and all those kinds of things. Um, quite frankly, my wife did that, even though she'd already seen me wearing my white sweatpants, my oversized tie dye T shirt, <laughs> and you know, three days growth of beard, a uh, uh, stubble on my face. It's basically, what
0: you look like right now. Uh,
3: pretty much, yeah. pretty much without the ba- without the baseball cap. Um, That's only five minutes of stubble, and and it really was. It really, for me, the the masks that we wear in the online environment versus the masks that we wear in the real world aren't all that different. It's just how pervasive they can become and how easy they are to use as escapes. Eventually, you hang out with me long enough, my mask wears out in the real world. But in the virtual world, I can keep that mask on forever.
0: Well, see, and I'm not, I'm not sure that I agree with you. I doubt that you could. I think that um, anonymity... Which is what the internet affords to us now, and what the Oasis affords to them in this book. Anonymity is not the mask that we think it is. I think it's a psychic amplifier that takes what we that takes what's really inside and lets it out. Because go to any comment section of any any comment section of any blog post uh, or Facebook post, and you'll see how people really are.
3: I think it can be
0: okay. Maybe not every time. I saw a post the other day that
1: really uh, helps drive this point home. It says it's no wonder that Ultron decided to destroy the the Earth with a meteor after he spent ten minutes on the internet. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs>
2: that is so true. I, I think, I guess it's Halliday's point ultimately at the at the end of the book it's it's Halliday's point and, and by that it's Klein's point that being online and being who you want to be is fun but he even says it uh, when when Halliday's avatar avatar is uh, talking to to Wade he even says it that look it's something that I learned way too late in life um and and not until I was at the end is that I created the Oasis because it terrified me to interact with people, but it is something that as terrifying as it is, it needs to be done. Basically, he's saying, hey, unplug for a bit. The Oasis is fun, but unplug for a bit by that same being online is great, but actually get some face-to-face time with your neighbors, with your friends. he he says it and you kind of you kind of got the feeling that's where the book was heading at least I did I got the feeling that's where the the moral of the story was heading in that second act when Wade was in his apartment and he's all alone and he hasn't been out of his apartment in six months and you think this is just sad at some point
0: so speaking of which how when we move into the third act um, for how many of you like it was for me was it your favorite part of the book when uh, he leaves the apartment he tricks <laughs> IOI into becoming an indentured servant and hacks their systems, and that all takes place in the real world. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was—I uh, th- I thought that was a great stroke in storytelling, where he sets up this uh, this oasis where you just think, "Oh, wow, that's a really cool place to hang out. I can fly an X-wing." And then, for me, the the funnest part of the book was when he rips you out of that and throws you into this uh, the real world environment.
3: And yeah. that's where that's where this for me becomes a really interesting science fiction story, because it's how the science and the real it's in this case, it's how this virtual world and the real world work with each other to for to push forward a human agenda. And that's what I liked that. That's what I like. That's that's why I'm not sitting here saying this is just a worthless piece of kitsch and why I'm saying it's a it's a good sci fi piece. It's not going to be one that everybody's going to like, but it's a good sci fi yeah. piece. Yeah
0: i would say yeah like you say it's it's not um it's not kitsch necessarily but uh in in reference to some of the other books that we've read before i'd kind of put this uh on a little bit lower rung than sphere we talked about how sphere is is kind of um it's it's a little bit dated it's probably not probably not going to last the test of time but it's a really fun story uh this one I'd, i'd Put on similar footing, uh, just because uh, largely because of its eighties, um, yeah. its eighties references, it's going to wear out pretty quick. The only reason
1: that this I can I could see this story really lasting any sort of time is. As our technology evolves, if this, if we do end up in more of a world with an oasis system type thing, mm. this novel will be looked back on as more of predictive. Kind of prophetic. And that would be why it would last. If we don't end up in that situation, then no, this won't last. But I, I could see that. The other
3: thing that I think can make this book really start lasting is if schools decide that they want to use this as a piece of literature that they're going to use for English classes for sophomores and juniors, which very easily could be done from a standpoint of using the book not only to talk about storytelling, but also to be historical references. Um, I, I see this very much as a, as a teacher-friendly or an education-friendly book to talk about the 80s, to talk about technology, to talk about lots of social issues. And so I see it being possibly used in that, in that environment to keep it alive and keep it running. That'll yeah. never happen with Starship Troopers, but it could happen with this book.
0: Do you, think, do you think this will uh do you think it's student friendly there's it's there's nothing horribly objectionable but there's some language the, there's the language is not student friendly deal, dealing with um his his shall we say his sexual loneliness uh in the second act with the doll that he brings in you know it's it's not, not in Utah. Said, it's not dwelt on uh but it's you know not necessarily uh family friendly
3: I bought a book in my junior high called the forever war that in the first four pages, used the f bomb fourteen times. So when we talk about those kinds of things, I think uh, you know I, th- I think it's going to depend on the environments that we're in and whether or not that's that's what people want to go with because it's already in a lot of the literature that's in the schools.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, Ryan and I were in the same high school. We read uh, Chinua Achebe's what was that book? Uh, things fall apart. The African novel that was just—it had some really crazy stuff in it. We did, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> One of you. I did. remember like Frankenstein and Heart of Darkness and some of those <laughs> other ones.
1: I don't remember reading anything like that.
0: I uh, I won the uh, I won the Heart of Darkness uh, photo contest without ever having read the book.
2: You know what? Though we read we read uh, Lord of the Flies in high school, and that was oh, just that's as, some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Kill the pig. See, and that, that was just as. You know, it, it has yeah. just so as much it, injectable stuff in it so. so if
0: you were a high school teacher You'd uh, assign this to your class?
3: With a waiver Yeah, With a waiver All right. I want to know what Stephanie thinks about the love story In the midst of all of this <laughs> Let's talk about girly stuff
4: Ken Let's
3: get the girl to talk about the love story
4: What, uh,
0: so what Ken, a stereotype Ken, how's
2: the love story?
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I loved it that kept the book going for me.
0: <laughs> I liked it, Stephanie. What did you think?
4: To me, it wasn't it wasn't a driving force in the book. I mean, his relationship with her, but not necessarily that he was in love with her. I don't know how to, how to wait, explain what? it, but like it was okay. I mean, it wasn't like a, a sappy love novel to me. I it was there. It kind of.
2: Like, <laughs> the best way to
1: describe this love story it, it was, was there, there. <laughs> <laughs> is,
3: is the absence of the sappiness make it less of a love story or or more palatable for the rest of the book because for most guys I think that's one of the things that makes it a little easier to deal with
4: and I, I, I it's more of a, a guy book to me because it does talk a lot with the gaming so I think having the love story there kind of and nodding to it saying yeah he's he's falling in love with her but there's no like real physical relationship and that kind of building built in their relationship kind of makes it leans more towards the, the audience. The book was more intended for, I okay. guess. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I probably could have forgotten about the love story and I'm a sappy love story kind of person. Like if they didn't end up together or whatever, I might've been like, Oh, that was weird. That
0: he didn't get the girl.
4: Yeah. Like it was just, it would be strange, but
0: yeah.
4: I wouldn't be like, Oh, no, I can't read this book ever again cuz I didn't end up together.
0: I I did like that um in the love story it was she wasn't uh, Princess Peach waiting in the castle to be saved. She was his companion and competitor uh for most of the book. Uh, so that was a nice little twist on the love story. It it you know, it wasn't uh it wasn't fairy tale. No. No, yeah. it was very modern in that way. Um now there were three main characters. Uh, there's Parzival and Artemis who fall in love, mm-hmm. and there's H. Uh, w- which was your guys' favorite of the three?
2: I thought that was a great name, by the way. H. H. And the way they spelled it.
0: The way they spelled it was cool. I it, so I'm, it. I'm really partial to H. I, I had a I had a good time watching him slash her. I was too. In the book. Oh, spoiler! Um, I think it's okay, Ken. <laughs>
2: that was the only one that actually got me. But that was the only twist that actually got me. I'm like, oh. He's a girl,
3: and then I thought about it I'm like that
2: makes sense. Yeah,
3: so I hanging out of the bu- and in the, in the parents' ba- uh, parents' basement named Christy.
0: <laughs> what? What? The
3: what? reference to the Chuck. You could be a three hundred pound man oh. named Chuck. Right. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway,
3: so when you have to explain it, Just Ryan did the, so the love story rip
0: you out, or did it? Uh, did you enjoy that? I believe it fit quite
1: nicely with uh, as. A gamer's love story it's a gamer's love story you find love in what you love doing
2: you know Wait, what? don't
0: everyone of you're looking at me like seriously what <laughs> no I'm, I'm with you no, i, I just don't it's... i don't understand what you're saying you're as far as i can tell I understand tell, there, exactly what he's saying
1: there are words coming out but <laughs> let's okay i i'm not a huge fan of playing the stereotypes or whatever but imagine let's think of the what is generally considered the geeky game or whatever the guy Mm -hmm. who's in the basement the chuck in the basement or whatever what is their dream of love to find someone they can play their game with forever (laughs) yeah that is the gamer's love story and this is very much a gamer's love story it's not some great emotional ride it's hey you know what if we were to stay together life would not change at all we would both get on and play the game all the time
0: yeah I'll buy that. Okay. Although, when they finally do get together, he the last line of the book is, hey, you know, for for once in my life, I didn't want to log into the Oasis. Yeah. Right. Which so. was nice to show the value of human connection. Of but the, but the then
1: they're just, just going to go back <laughs> in.
0: I, <laughs> I was
2: going to say, the, the next 40 pages are them logging in again. So
1: <laughs> and, Yeah, you come back and say, like, once we got over the shakes, we... We'll click the mouse, and
0: we were good. yeah. um, so let's uh, for the last few minutes of this cast, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, about the tech. We've talked about it a little bit uh, in a in a kind of overview type of of way, but I want to talk, you know on a personal level, how excited are you guys for this tech? Because, like we said, it it seems like it's just around the corner. It's not that far away. The idea of haptic gloves, uh, an entire immersion rig, uh, the retinal scanners, all that stuff. D- does this appeal to you, or do you think, you know, what? I like my games two dimensional. I don't want to worry about all that stuff.
2: I think my exact words in my notes when I was reading it was "FlickSync, I want it." Oh yeah, <laughs> that was
0: so cool. FlickSync. If you if you haven't read the book, is when, uh, or if you haven't, it's been a while. That's when uh, the main character, in order to a- achieve his Easter egg hunt, he has to. Uh, recite the lines of certain movies war games for instance whilst in the movie well not so not just recite
2: the lines but he takes over the yeah, main you, character you
0: are yeah. the main character You're you've got to do the becomes, actions you've
2: got to you yeah you've got to interact as they would you have to say the lines properly you have to you are that character i thought oh that's so fun yeah
0: i want to do that okay so ken wants a flick sync todd what was your uh what was your favorite piece of the tech The thing that you'd be most excited about?
3: I'm not sure any of it.
0: No? You're not such a a huge fan of this?
3: Only because I work for an online organization. um, And I see firsthand what happens sometimes when the online becomes so encompassing and immersive that we stop recognizing the value of human interaction. It's I'm, I'm with Stephanie on this one. It scares me. Yeah. I should have gone to you last. Ryan, what do
1: you want to see? (laughs) What a downer. (laughs) You're going to be a bit surprised. Actually. I'm, I had an experience this last week that got me a little bit. I'm I'm not scared of this tech. I'm excited about it. Cause there's a lot of possibilities. As long as we can maintain that the worlds that exist, there are secondary worlds, not our primary. Like in this one, the Oasis is pretty much the primary. Um, but but I, I don't
3: have a faith in mankind that they can.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that makes me nervous as well. Like I love the idea of being able to be completely immersed in a world that retinal scan piece there, um, but it does make me nervous. We were Stephanie and I were at Disneyland this last week, and I started to look around, and there were so many selfie sticks. <laughs> I hate selfie sticks with a passion now, and it it kept it just. Made me wake up to something. And then I came I came home and I found a, a commercial for a new device that had just been released. And you know me. I love new tech. I love... As long as it was made by Apple. No, I, I love new tech. As long as it was made by Apple. I do love Apple's new tech generally. As long as it was made by Apple. <laughs> but, so this, this new uh, device, and here's a little bit of advertising for it. Because I do think it's cool, but I think it's going to also cause problems. It's called the Lily Drone. If you haven't seen it, go look up Lily Drone. And it is a drone. You wear a little tracker on your wrist. You throw it in the air and it follows you around. It's just an aerial drone that does selfies. Shut up. No, That's awesome. It's incredibly cool. But you have to imagine now that every time you go to the ski slopes, anytime you go there, there's going to be five of them in the air around you. (laughs) Like all times. Because it's a selfie drone. That's what it's made for is to follow this tracker. Yeah. Rather than piloting it, piloting it around... Whatever, you just say, I want you to follow me. I want you to, you know, do a 360 or, you know, wide shot around me. You put on the tracker and the the, the drone and does it, it.
2: The world's first throw-and-shoot camera drone. It's that very
1: cool.
0: really cool. But
1: that's starting the concept in my mind that I'm like, and this is affordable too. It's about $500, which for drone tech like this is pretty good. It's not too long until, unless things get regulated or whatever, you're going to see a bunch of these drones flying around behind people as mm-hmm. the battery life improves just on their daily whatever. It's going to be their little companion thing. And that gets me a little nervous. Can
3: you imagine New York City with a whole lot of people doing <laughs> the Lily drone? Ugh. I yes.
1: Can't, yeah. I, I can not imagine it. And in time, it could, be, it could be made to be a very useful companion, you know, once Apple gets its hand on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. But, no, so as for the tech in this, I love the idea, you know, Give me the chance to be in a world where I've got a lightsaber in my hand and I'm, com- you know, I'm combating things like that. I would love that, but as long as it maintains its status as a secondary world to our primary world that exists out here,
2: yeah, yeah and it wouldn't, it it wouldn't. For a section of the population, for a, yeah, I, think it I just would. don't
0: think, yeah, I don't think you're right, Ken, because uh, like Stephanie says, she's not. Um, Stephanie, you're a bit more of a people person than a lot of gamers are, right?
4: <laughs> I would think so, yeah. Yeah,
0: you, you really enjoy being around people. I do. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I just got back from France, uh, and everybody says, What? Oh, you're, you're going to Paris. That's so great. Paris is the most wonderful city. We spent our first two days in Paris, and we're so relieved to get out and go, mm-hmm. you know, to different little towns and cities around, because there are too many people. We don't like to have that much human interaction. Now, I That's not to that. say we don't like any at all. Which but- is
4: interesting, because when I went to Europe, we did several different countries, and my favorite places to stop were those small towns. Yeah. I Paris, as much as I adored, I wanted to go to Paris so bad, and once I was there, I was like wow yeah
0: the idea of paris is much better than paris get me out of here <laughs> but but anyway the point is that um that although human interaction is valuable to everybody i think some need and crave more than others sure. and so the idea of the oasis it's an introvert's paradise where you get to have very limited interaction with other people um and and yet you know have a life sort of anyway uh yeah i'm not sh- so anyway point being I'm not sure that uh, that this would take over the world. I think was it Todd that you said for a segment of the population, this would be a real problem. Yes, I and for so. others, it would be uh, it would be a boon. I think it would be a real problem to those introverts like me who would prefer never to see another human face and only interact online. Uh, you know, it would be a real problem for those folks. And for others, it would be just a, a good time to dip your toe in and and uh, sh- you know wield a lightsaber like ryan said
1: i would only be concerned with when common denominators became solely existent in their like for example they all go to school in the oasis mm-hmm. for those people who may not want to have as much interaction in a world like that what happens when they say school is in the oasis that's where we're doing it now you're done like we don't have physical school to go to you don't have that right. option
3: and when you start talking about things like, um, you know, jobs in the Oasis, they, people, had, people had jobs that they could do that they could earn Oasis money that they could convert to do other kinds of things. Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, yep. you've, you've got and, – and I would – and maybe this is a question because when, when we were first starting about saying, oh, Stephanie wants to come on, I was wondering, Stephanie, what do you think about the similarities between the Oasis and the technology that we've already got a la Facebook and FaceTime and Instagram?
4: See, and and that's what I have a hard time with because I live with a tech person and how much he spends on his, like how much time he spends on his phone drives me nuts. And that's just a phone.
3: During this podcast, I've been watching Ryan and he's been doing (laughs) multiple things on his phone when he's not talking.
4: I check my email. And so how much people, I mean, I have a Facebook account and I check it. I don't really post on it. I don't live on Facebook, but I have games that I can live on. But I spend my days with a one-year-old and they can get (laughs) as much conversation as that is with a one-year-old. I need to find something else. And I can see why something like that could be beneficial because I do. I like talking to people. I like being around people. And that gives me a chance to talk to people. But at the same time, I can see where society is now. And there's always... there's already so much time we spend just talking to people without an actual physical communication with them. And that, I just don't, don't I don't like that. where, it, it, where that's going. Yeah.
3: And that's before we have the immersive technology.
4: Yeah. And that's way before this. And I mean, because me and Ryan have talked about, okay, what if our children are going to school online? And that's just an online. That's not necessarily the the virtual reality that um, the book talks about. But if he gets into to sports or theater or other things that are not convention to public schools, like we see it, online schools are great. But I still I'm not going to just keep my child at home to do online schools. Correct. He has to be involved in. If he's involved in a sports team or if he's involved in theater where he has that, that human interaction because it's needed, you have to be able to see people face-to-face and learn how to deal with people in the real world because dealing with people just online, you never know what you're getting.
3: One of the things that I was really um, – that, that really I, I think disturbed me a little bit at the beginning of the, of the book was when Wade was talking about – he saw Sesame Street online. And he interacted with these characters online at two or three or four. That his mom used this as the virtual babysitter. Um, And, you know, I've been accused of of being a horrible parent because I allowed my children to watch Sesame Street and Dora the Explorer and all these other kinds of things when they were younger without sitting and watching it with them every moment of the day. Um, And I I see that in my own family, the children that were the younger children um, are much more connected than my older children as far as their ability to engage the real world. Not necessarily their ability to have relationships because my older children are very connected that way too. But I'm I'm watching that and I'm, <coughs> I remember, bless you, I remember listening to, or as I was reading it thinking about, wow, what happens when a kindergartner's first experience in play is in a virtual environment rather than on a swing set? Hmm. And that's the piece for me where this tech becomes possibly I, I, destructive i think there's a really fun there and there are some other novels that have dealt with similar kinds of themes but in a much more dark manner um, and i'll see if i can find some of the titles that have done this yeah um,
0: yeah this is much more of a love letter it brings up some of the possible pitfalls but ultimately it, but, it, it's, but it glosses it's, over them and yeah, says how cool is this tech yeah yeah Um, glorify the tech we'd better wrap it up you guys Um, final thoughts
2: I I will say I'm excited for the time where we can buy a gun and arm body armor you know from vending machines
3: (laughs) that will be fun and a lightsaber I really do want a lightsaber yeah and a lightsaber Ken's
0: Ken's talking about the real world when he escapes IOI he goes and buys a gun and a vending machine that's right yeah Um, hmm. and then in the but yeah I'm with you Todd in the virtual world that's going to be amazing because there you get to rewrite the laws of physics yep and if you're rigorous enough uh, then you can you can make your own laws yeah. uh, that must be followed. I think that's great. Uh, Ryan, final thoughts Stephanie uh,
1: just in general recommendation uh, if you have some leisure time to read the book read it it's it's worth the you know it's worth the maybe day or two it'll take you to finish but did you do a book or audiobook audiobook will Wheaton's reading yeah. on that um yeah, it's it's not a hard read, but it takes some time if you do read it to think about what like the tech could imply. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you're gonna read the story and walk away and go, eh, that was cool tech. Which we all do sometimes. Yeah.
3: I think it's a great young adult science fiction novel. Especially if they want to really find out what it what this geek culture is really all about.
5: All right,
2: My boy Jake the intern loved it. He thought it was he read it in like two days. He said, "This is
0: all good, Dad. Hurry and read this book." Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's gonna be. It's age.
2: gonna make a good movie. It's,
0: um, it's, 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 my it's, my final thought: If you want to get a taste of this type of technology, um, just a little bit of a taste, come to Salt Lake City in about a year. I think uh, there's a a place they were going to build Evermore Park. That is now down the drains. They have canceled their plans for this Victorian steampunk Evermore Park. But in its place, they just said we didn't have the right location. It's whatever. It's probably just a bunch of PR speak for uh, nobody would fund us. But what they will fund is a place called The Void. The Void is an interactive virtual reality where you go. They've got this warehouse, this giant place with... Um, you know, a lot of stairs, ramps, walls, windows, uh, this, this environment that is completely white or gray and you wear a visor, uh, which then paints a virtual world over the, uh, the warehouse around you. So you're not looking except through your, your visor, uh, at, at the world around you, Uh, but you are interacting with it and you get a little plastic gun uh, or a sword, or whatever it is that this this story that you're in demands, and you will get to uh, physically run around the environment with with the goggles and the headphones and whatnot on you. Brain how, trust field trip. How do, how cool does that sound? So it's, it's a little bit of a step in the direction of what we're talking about. It'll be really cool when you can do that sort of thing in your home like they do with the Oasis. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? Go field trip for those of you who think that it's like
1: you still think it's a ways out get online google search microsoft hololens yes because it's a reality like that it's already in your home your fridge your walls your everything are becoming surfaces for a virtual reality to exist what they call actually it's augmented reality where you're in the real world and they're just painting things on blank spots on your wall using visors
0: it's yeah pretty awesome um, yeah hopefully it doesn't uh, screw the world up and bring uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse
1: no more than we already are we better they're run coming. you guys they're coming anyway.
0: um, thank you so much everybody for listening if we are
1: the four horsemen of the apocalypse oh
0: that's I awesome the four horsemen of the legendarium. I want to be uh, pestilence now be quiet because we're signing off uh, we've got to get running you guys have things to do today and our listeners um, might have things to do today uh they're still here <laughs> not too much, not too much because they're listening to the legendarium. Uh, so anyway <laughs> let's uh, let's reconvene. I, I will plug very quickly an upcoming uh, an upcoming series so let's reconvene for that one. It's uh, the Silmarillion. We're stepping back into Tolkien's world. I, I will be hosting several panels on the Silmarillion five or six of them. And, uh, I don't know how many our, uh, weathered brain trust will be a part of, but we're going to bring in some new voices, uh, and I, I plan on having a lot of fun with it, but a lot of, uh, a lot of philosophical fun. So hopefully everybody who joins in will enjoy that as well. Uh, thank you again, everybody for listening, and we will speak to you all later.